0: I pulled up on Amazon the other day to see what the topics, what the best-selling books were going on right now. Hey, David, I think it's this monitor right here. It is humming like crazy. Obviously, I know nothing about sound, so I don't even know if that's called a monitor or if that is a monitor. But obviously, whatever it is, you just fixed it. Thank you, buddy. Um, And the number one, I don't know if this is the correct word, genre of books right now that are selling are survival guide books. Books. I think if COVID did anything for us, it made us evaluate were we prepared or are we prepared to survive doomsday? As many of you know, I have a sick mind when it comes to that type of stuff. And when everything hit, me and David, because David has a sick mind too, began to devise a plan. He didn't call it this, but I called it this. I called it Lambville. Um, we began to build it our by how we were going to fortify this building when the world took over. It was pretty exciting, it never happened, but the plan looked really good. On paper, The best part of Lamville was we actually had the wrestling ring set up next door, and that was how we were going to solve disputes between people if they had a problem. It was going to happen in the ring. It was great. It was a phenomenal plan. We had trails through the woods how we were going to get food. It was incredible on paper. Would it have happened realistically? I don't know, but in my mind it would have. Our mind going through this time has thought a lot about that. They say the hottest shows on television right now are prepper shows. People think about it. I mean, and and let's just be honest, you never know, man, with chemical warfare and crazy government and zombies. I mean, you just never know when the apocalypse could happen and we need to be prepared. And as scary as doomsday is, there's something that is far more scarier that we know we're going to have to deal with And it actually started two days ago on Black Friday. The holiday season is officially upon us. And what used to be the most wonderful time of the year, now for so many people is the most stressful time of the year. It's the most depressing time of the year. The emotions that we feel on a normal basis, they get heightened during the holidays. Dealing with just the stress of day-to-day, dealing with the financial stress of travel and extra food for meals and families coming into town and Christmas presents, money's already tied and now we have extra expenses. The stress of dealing with those family members who you get to avoid the other 300 in 60 something days of the year. Wow, hit a nerve. But because it's Christmas or Christmas Eve, you have to join together with them. <laughs> and the reality is Thanksgiving comes and Thanksgiving goes, and it suddenly becomes the holiday season no matter what you celebrate or what you believe. Something's going on in the next 30 days. It's Christmas, it's Christmas Eve, it's Hanukkah, it's Kwanzaa, it's Black Friday, it's Cyber Saturday, it's Christmas parties, family gatherings, fighting crowds in the store. It's just a crazy time of the year. What used to be, like I said, the most wonderful time of the year turns into the most miserable time of the year, and I think it would just behoove us all this year to learn how to become preppers when it comes to the holiday season. To learn how to deal with the holidays so they can go back to being a time of enjoyment, a time of fun, where they can go back to being the most wonderful time of the year. And if there was ever a time in my 44 years on earth where we needed to end the year on a high, I think 2020 is that. It's been a year. Can we all agree? Now, to me, in some ways, it's been a great year, but it's been a year of adjusting and changing, and it's been a year, and I have determined that I am going to make the next 30 days a great time. Now, that sounds really easy to say, but this is my wife and I's seventh Christmas together. Is it our seventh or eighth Christmas together? We've been together seven years, but there's always that weird time where we got right together this time. Might be our eighth Christmas together, our seventh Christmas. It's been a lot of Christmases. And the Christmas season is extra heightened for us when it comes to stress. And if we're not careful, we can start to feel the tension very quickly. During the holidays, and this is not a sob story, it's just the reality of what I do for a living, along with the day-to-day stress, there's a lot more stress that comes along during the holidays, along with the normal craziness stress of our lives. The holidays just get even crazier. We have to juggle, because we've both been married before, we have to juggle kids' schedules with other parents. We have to juggle my family along with her family, along with everybody trying to arrange. There's Christmas parties that we have and juggling family get-togethers. Her mom just moved into our house. Um, Let me repeat that again in case we're talking about stress. Her mom just moved in to our house. Add to that stress that we're moving one day, hopefully. Hopefully, this coming Friday, we're supposed to move. We were only supposed to move a week ago. We've been living with boxes all around us. I'm a Christmas lover. I'm talking about normally Thanksgiving evening, we decorate the house for Christmas. I'm starting to get real moody that the Christmas stuff is packed up right now, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to decorate for Christmas, to tear it down, to read that. Christine made a fatal mistake the other day. She doesn't make many fatal mistakes. She said, I just don't guess we'll fully decorate for Christmas because we're not moving to December 4th. And I said, well, it sounds to me like the house can be decorated for Christmas on December 5th. We're going to decorate for Christmas. You know why? Because it's Christmas time. My philosophy is mom-in-law just moved in. That's an extra set of hands to get the house decorated for Christmas, you know? And, and I don't know that this is how it works because I've never had a normal mother-in-law, but Rick just got married and so my philosophy is now we got another person who can come over and help decorate for Christmas. The house has to be decorated for Christmas. The pastoring gig is a whole lot more crazy. During Christmas, man, we're doing our Christmas thing. We do Christmas dinner. We do a Christmas Eve service. We're getting ready. Then I'm in the event business. We had an event yesterday. I have an event coming up this week. I'm getting ready amongst all the stuff of the church. I have a big New Year's Eve thing. I I say all this is the holiday season is just a crazy time. When I met Christine, she hated the Christmas season. I love the Christmas season. We have now morphed her over into very much liking, I love the strong word, but very much liking the Christmas season. But it's because we're intentional about prepping for the season. We're, we're intentional about being prepared to choose, as we just got out of the last month, to choose joy over being miserable, to choose happiness over being stressed. We're not only going to survive the holiday season, you're not only going to survive the holiday season, we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks how we thrive during the holiday season. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How many of you, to be honest, I know it's church and it's hard for people to be honest. But on a scale of one to ten, with one being no stress at all, man, you smoked a big doobie every day and you forgot about everything... To attend to being like, man, you're on the verge of a heart attack at the stress level. How many of you say, man, I'm about a one in the stress area during the holidays? A one? Let me see who you are, I gotta know. <laughs> Doug and Kathy, of course you are. Of course you know, I'm not surprised. All the people that the kids have grown up and moved out are like, one. <laughs> How many of you say, man, I'm about a three or four in the stress during the holidays? Let's just jump ahead. Tori, I love you. You're a 10 in the stress level when it's not the holiday season. There's no way you're a three or four in the holiday season, OK? You're lying in the house of God, and God knows it. How many of you say, Gary, I'm about a seven or an eight in the stress level during the holidays? And then, how many of you be like you're Gary and you're at a ten or eleven in the holidays? How many say, "Man, the holidays are just a stressful time of the year." You are all lying sacks. <laughs> so basically, this sermon is just for me, Tim. I know you're lying because you didn't raise your hand at a one. You didn't raise it at a three or four. Oh, you did. Okay, don't be lying in the house of God. We're going to talk about how do we deal with stress because let's just be honest. Life in general is stressful. Bills to pay, jobs we don't like, relationships, balancing kids even when you your kids are grown up, balancing the delicate thing of having children and dealing with grandchildren. Life is stressful. But during the holidays, it seems like we're pulled in just so many more different directions that what normally happens is that extra stress robs us of the joy we should have in the season. As I've said before, the happiest time of the year becomes the most stressful time of the year. I've got to back up for a minute because this is just how my mind works. Gail, I love you. That's my mother-in-law, in case you didn't know. You live with us. You get to be around the grandkids. How are you at an eight or nine in the stress level? You should be like a one. Like you should have no stress. We're taking care of everything. I am easy to live with. I'm easy to live with. Tell you right now. I really am. I come home and I'm antisocial. I go to my room and watch TV. Let me give you a disclaimer before we start. There are times in my life that I am the best you've ever seen at handling stress. And then there's times in my life that I am like Paul where he said, I am chief among sinners. I am the worst you've ever seen. And let me tell you how it normally works for me. Normally the way it works in our relationship is Christine starts out stressed. And I start out really good, to the point where she gets mad that I'm so good. And we're talking, and over time, she, as it goes on, evolves into not being stressed and trusting God. It's amazing. And then I realized that I never really was trusting God, and good long I was just packing it down. And then right before normally, I make it to the day before of whatever it was, and all hell breaks loose, and I explode into stress, and it's unpleasant to be around. So there's times I'm good and there's times I'm bad, but the Bible has a lot to say about stress. The Bible says this in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart. Anxiety, stress, literally puts weight on our heart. It's a heaviness on us. Nothing in your body affects how you function in life like your heart does. As my heart goes, I go. Stress adds to our heart. Stress, anxiety, worry—it it weighs us down. It, it's like carrying this big weight around. Stress literally affects us physically. It's amazing what it does. It's amazing the studies and how stress has an effect on our body. I, I'm going to show you some things that that will kind of surprise you. It, it, stress causes high blood pressure. It's not surprising. It it, 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 it um. It leads to, it causes ulcers, it causes heart disease, lack of sleep, digestive issues, weight gain, weight loss. I don't know why I couldn't be blessed with that kind of stress, the weight loss. Stress is the opposite for me. (laughs) And then, not only is it horrible for our body, the way we respond to stress is so unhealthy. We, we respond to stress in such a horrible way. We don't know how to handle stress. We're so weak-minded that we look for something to cope with the stress, and so we turn to alcohol because that makes it better. You know, ooh, that makes it so much better. I have someone I love very much who just relapsed after 32 years because of stress. How weak. It's not very caring. I care, but it don't change the fact that it's weak. We, we turn to drugs, anger, rage, unhealthy eating. I'm not just picking on you. Stand close, preacher. We were out last night at the Waffle House at the end of our thing, and Gail texted Christine and said, "Um, Dexter, that's our dog, ate all Dave's brownies. Dave's a friend of ours who literally makes the best brownies in the world. They're normal brownies, just to clarify. And the people with us said, well, I want to know, first of all, how was there a whole tray of brownies still in your house? And Christine said, Gary's been working for five days. Like, had I not been working, those brownies would have been gone. I caught myself getting mad. Christine's on the phone with her friend who works at a vet, asking about is the dog going to live, and I'm thinking, am I going to kill the dog because he ate my brownies? We all respond to stress in different ways. Did you know I saw this stat this week? This this literally is mind-boggling to me. Did you know that 80% of all illnesses, are related directly, or they're made worse by stress. Think about that. Eight out of ten times that you're sick, the people that we love, eight out of ten times that they're sick, it's due directly or indirectly to stress. That's a big deal. Stress wears down our immune system. So we can't fight off sickness. Stress in every sense of the word will kill you. Stress is no joke and we've got to learn to deal with that. And holiday stress just magnifies that. But here's the thing about stress, especially during the holidays. It's nothing new. Matter of fact, if you go back to they wouldn't call it this, but you go back to what we celebrate as the first Christmas ever. It was a pretty stressful time. I, I mean, stop and think for a second about the events surrounding the first Christmas. I, I'm not trying to minimize your stress. I'm not trying to one-up you, but think about Mary and Joseph. Joseph. Angels start showing up out of nowhere, scaring the daylights out of people. Kind of stressful. I mean, I'm chilling in my house watching TV, and boom, there's an angel there. Uh Uh-uh. I'm a little stressed. Mary gets knocked up out of wedlock. It's not good during that time. Oh, BTW, she was a virgin. Try explaining that to your boyfriend. Seems a little stressful. Joseph, or Mary's husband-to-be, wants to quietly break off the marriage. If you go back and read Scripture, he was ready to get out of the Scripture. Hmm. But the angel then comes and appears to Joseph and says, Hey, just stick with her. She's carrying the Son of God. Let me repeat that because I don't think it clicks in your head. Your virgin girlfriend tells you she's pregnant. You're ready to leave. An angel comes along and says, hey, just chill. It's cool, man. She's giving birth to the Messiah. It's kind of stressful. (laughs) He decides to stay. Then they call a census. So Joseph, along with every other head of the household, is ordered by law to return to the city of their birth for the census. So now Joseph is traveling with his pregnant wife via horseback to go get the census done. No rest stops, no restaurants, no comforts. I doubt when they arrived, Mary was in a very good mood. Probably wasn't too happy. They get to Bethlehem and there's no vacancies. So Joseph has to look at his wife and say, hey, babe, no, you're pregnant. And I don't care. I imagine Joseph was a human. He's probably thinking, no, you're pregnant. We've never had sex. I get an angel came to me. Cool, you're carrying the Messiah, but still, I haven't been able to have sex. Typical guy. I know we've been on this long road, and you're pregnant. Um, I have to go out here in this horse stable and stay. There's no rooms at the hotel. I'm gonna get some fresh hay in there, but it, it's still gonna be a horse stable. <laughs> Sounds pretty stressful to me. But it's amazing how they dealt with the stress. As you read the story, you see some keys into how they deal with the stress. And I think what's so amazing about this book, here's the thing, even if you don't believe this book is the Word of God, let's just say you believe this book is fiction. It's the greatest book of fiction ever written, if that's what you believe. And the life principles in this book are amazing. Now, here's the good news. We don't believe it's fiction. We believe it's breathed into men from the words of God to help us get through life. It's the guidebook for life to whatever question you're asking, it has the answers. Let me make this very clear to you that say the Bible is irrelevant. The Bible is as relevant today as it was the day it was written. The stress that you're dealing with right now, Mary and Joseph dealt with the exact same stress. It might have looked different. It might have had different skin, but it was the same bones 2,000 years ago. You're not the first person to ever deal with stress. You won't be the last person to ever deal with stress. When you get through this holiday season, guess what's going to come about? More stress. Let me encourage you today. When you get through this patch of stress, there will be more stress. And then there will be more stress. Because, hey, wake up and accept the fact that life is stressful. So what you can do is you can wallow in the stress. You can let the stress consume you. You can become a victim to stress. You can think that you have it worse than anybody else does when the reality is you don't. Or you can learn how to deal with stress. The Bible says every man must give an account for themselves. Don't blame somebody else for your stress. Don't blame your circumstances for your stress. Stress happens. But we got to learn how to deal with stress. And Mary and Joseph, man, they show us how to deal with stress. They show us how to deal with it throughout this story in amazing ways that if we apply to our life, will literally change our lives. Today, I am going to probably preach to you one of the most practical sermons I've ever preached in my life. I am going to preach to you something today that you can leave here and immediately you can begin to implement in your life as you deal with stress. Because here's the deal. We we have all these preachers, and I thank God for these Bible scholars and these deep theologians who can break down the Word of God in the original language and the context and everything and blow your mind with their knowledge, but at the end of the day this book was written to be a simple guide on how to live life. God didn't write this book to be complicated. God didn't write this book where you had to have a doctorate degree to understand it. You don't have to come to the preacher to understand God's Word with all due respect to the Catholic Church. God wrote it for you. Yeah, we'll get one person to clap on that. But listen, hey, with all due respect, God wrote this book for you to learn and to be guided throughout life and for the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you as you read it. It's full of practical everyday advice. It's the most amazing book ever written. And they break it down on how to deal with stress. The first thing I see with Mary and Joseph is they understood God's purpose and their stress. Now notice, it didn't eliminate the stress. This is not a sermon on how not to have stress. I'm not that good. But it's a sermon on how to deal with the stress in your life without making it worse. Because the way we deal with stress just makes it worse. Talking to a guy the other day who was struggling with drinking, I said, what does that do for you? It just lets me forget for a little while. I said, but but then don't you remember again? Yeah. And I said, then don't you have a headache? Yeah. And I said, and then doesn't it destroy your body? Yeah. I said, so it really sounds to me like just to forget for a couple of hours, you're making the stress 10 times worse in your life. You idiot. I eat. How does that make it better? makes my stomach hurt. makes my clothes not fit. It's miserable. We we make our stress worse by not knowing how to deal with it. The first thing we got to do is understand God's purpose in our stress. Everything you go through, make no mistake about it today, let me repeat this, everything that you go through, including stress, God has a purpose in it. God has a plan in it. God has a destination in it. You might be surprised by it, but God is not. He's mapping out your life and the course that you're going to go through. Now, we have free will and we can go this way or that way, but the minute we go the wrong way, immediately we have a decision to go the right way again because God is not surprised. He's the ultimate GPS. And the stress that you're going through, there's a purpose in it. I have no doubt that one of the reasons that Joseph and Mary got through this stressful time when things were more stressful than ever is because they realized there was a purpose in what they were going through. Look what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a good man. But after he had considered this an angel, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. The stress didn't change. The fact that they were carrying the Messiah did not eliminate the stress in their life. But as they were going through the stress and they were dealing with the stress and they were about to reach their boiling point in their stress, I imagine they reminded themselves over and over, there's a purpose in this. This child that we will give birth to will save the world from their sins. They were about to give birth to the one the holy, the Old Testament prophets had prophesied about. As crazy as things were, as crazy as things had happened, they were doing what was foretold. As you go through the stressful times in life and stress happens, you've got to be able to step back. You gotta be able to breathe and you gotta be able to discover what is God's purpose in this stress? What is God trying to teach me in this stress? What is God trying to set me up for in this stress? What is God trying to equip me for in this stress? What is God, what is God trying to put in place and position? Because He has a bigger plan. And though I don't see His plan, He's gone before me and He knows where we're going. And I've got to breathe during this time. Look what 2 Corinthians said. Paul said this. He said, For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What Paul's saying is, hey, these, these these light momentary troubles, my wife the other day had a real bad day and I came home, or she had a bunch of things go wrong, and I thought it was so amazing. I came home, I said, man, you had a bad day, didn't you? He said, no. Shows I had a bad hour. I had a great day. I had a bad hour. Man, that convicted me. She couldn't let that hour ruin her whole day. She couldn't look back over the entire day negatively. She couldn't look back over the entire day as just a wash that she never wanted to repeat it again. She said, No, I had a bad hour. These light and momentary troubles are achieving something great for us that will outweigh the greatness, will outweigh the trials to get there. But we don't see that because we wallow in the stress. We wallow in the pity. And we say we trust God, but we only trust God when things are good, not when they're stressful. See, we need to understand that God's perspective is so much different than ours. When we get caught up in what's going on in our life and how we feel at the moment, we need to remember that God has an eternal perspective for us. God's looking at the big picture. What's the old saying? You can't see the forest for the tree. We're looking at the tree and all around us is a fire, a forest full of greatness ready to happen. One of God's purposes is for stress. Don't miss this. One of God's purposes for stress is that God wants to build our character. He wants us to get ready to deal with it. He wants us to get to the point that when the heat gets turned up, what comes out of us is glorifying to God because nothing will show your true colors like stress. I think I've told you this before. The very first job I ever had was I worked at Dairy Queen. Don't hate. I can do the curl, but it's like riding a bike. I know I can still do the curl. I Listen, I, I, I'm arrogant. I get it. I was so good at my job at Dairy Queen that there was, it was literally. I grew up in a small town. It was the only restaurant in town. The only restaurant in town was the DQ, and there always it was always so busy they had to have two cash registers. People would wait in my line thirty minutes just to have me ring them up because I was that good. And another person would just be standing there twiddling their thumb. And I've always been there. Get in my line. It's worth the wait. You know, man. It was awesome. But I remember one time our little town had a Fourth of July parade. Every year it was the big deal—the Fourth of July parade—and we always knew the Dairy Queen was going to be insane that day. Now, Dairy Queen has what are called flame broiled hamburgers, so they go through this flame broil thing, and we had two flame broiler machines. But since the day I started, only one of them worked. The other one never worked. I knew it was going to be busy that day, and so I just said, "Man, I'm going to get this." Other... I know you're not going to believe this story because I fixed something, but I was like, "Man, I'm going to get this other one working." And so I cleaned it all up and all this stuff and washed it up, and I popped it on its side because that's the only way I know how to fix things. And I plugged it in, and it didn't do anything. So I kicked it, and that sucker clicked on. And it started glowing, and the flame started coming out, and you could see the thing getting hot. And about 60 seconds after it reaching full heat, I guess you call it, When I tell you, if it was one, it was a thousand, a thousand roaches started coming out of that thing. They were ever It covered the whole thing. You say, what's the point of the story? The point of the story is this. For so many of us, when the heat gets turned up, what's on the inside comes out. And some of you, what comes out of you when the stress comes is that you're just not mentally tough enough to survive it. You're not mentally tough enough to get through it. What comes out so many times is when the heat gets turned up, is that faith that we think we have when everything is great really ain't that strong. What comes out when the heat gets turned up is, oh, my God, I need a drink to get through this. Oh, my God, I got to take a bump to get through this. Oh, my God, I got to eat a plate of brownies to get through this. Because we don't know how to deal with it all. Instead of stepping back, breathing, and asking ourselves, what's God's purpose in this? One thing, and again, we, I, I'm not saying this because we got it all together, so let me make that real, real clear. But one of the things... One of the things that I was most proud of was when our house got postponed two weeks ago. Christy and I both stepped back and said, okay, what's the purpose in this? And now, after having been through the last week and a half and what we pulled, I had to pull off in this event this weekend, I don't know that we'd have been able to pull off a move in the same time. God had a plan in it. God had a purpose in it. Here's the funny thing. The way it now, the two weeks is set off on our house, where it's going to reposition our first house payment, it puts us through a period of time where, because after next weekend, I don't have another event till March, it puts us in a time where we get almost halfway through that period with no house payment. That if we'd have closed two weeks ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Ain't it funny how God's ways are smarter than our ways? God knows more than us you got to step back and look at God's purpose in the middle of the stress. But instead of what most of us do is we just start stressing. We start freaking out. You say, is that really what you think God's purpose was?" I don't know. But the point is we begin to examine what that is. God uses stress to build us during this time. It's amazing what happens. The second thing is they understood the importance of trusting God. They understood the importance... trusting God. Can I tell you the biggest lie that Christ followers give, or the biggest lie that Christ followers say? This, I trust God. No, you don't. And let me show you an example of how few of you really trust God. It happened about the first Tuesday in November. Anybody know what the first Tuesday of November was? Uh Uh-huh. I got to be real honest with you. I knew a lot of Christians who didn't seem like they were trusting God during that time. Like God was surprised. What you mean is you trust God when everything is going the way you want it to go. You trust God when things are how you want them to go. You trust God. Hey, you know what I've learned it's easy for me to trust God with my house payment, when my savings account has about six months of my house payment already in it. Huh. But it's amazing how quickly it's hard for me to trust God when there's no months of house payments in the savings. It's easy for me to trust God when the car's running good, but the minute it makes a weird sound, oh my, like, I'm freaking out. We don't trust God. Could you trust God when everything's falling apart around you that he's still God. Oh, oh i got to get back to the sermon. Let me read the scripture. Luke 1. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin. So we're back before the part we just read. To be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. I'm not trying to laugh, it just tickles me. Hey, like, hey what's up, greetings? Just dropping in on you, an angel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> crazy. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great. and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne Of his father David. Imagine this scene with me. Teenage girl. How many of you ladies have been teenagers before? You're chilling as a teenager? I got a teenage girl. Let me tell you what she worries about all the time TikTok videos. She ain't ready for no angel to drop in on her. I got a teenage girl that's pretty dang smart. Makes pretty good decisions nine times out of ten. Now, them one times out of ten, they're bad. But nine times out of ten, she's a pretty good kid. She's pretty self-reliant as a teenager. She sure as heck ain't ready for no angel to drop in on her and tell her she's pregnant with the Son of God. And if the angel did drop in on her and tell her she was pregnant with the Son of God, and she had to come tell me that story, I ain't gonna be trusting God at that moment. They just roll with it. They trusted God. They didn't understand it. It's not. Don't miss this. It's not even what they would have chose. But they trusted God. They knew that God's ways were better than their ways. And I got to thinking about this this week. And I was thinking to myself, why could they have just trusted God like that? Was Mary a person of faith stronger than me? Was Mary just some kind of super saint? I don't think it was any of that. She was human just like you and I were. I think she trusted God. I'm not going to argue with you over this. This is not a theological statement. It's just Gary, the GLV, the Gary Lamb version, just my opinion. It's okay if I give my opinion sometimes. I think she just trusted God because there's sometimes in life there's just nothing else you can do. You ever been there? where everything's falling apart, where everything else is crazy, where you don't understand what's going on, but you know that humanly there is absolutely nothing you can do. And I hate that it's a last resort for so many of us when it ought to be a first resort, but sometimes you just get to the point that you're like, man, I'm just trusting God because I ain't got any other choice. What else can I do? She's pregnant. She knows that she hasn't had sex. If no one else believes, she knows. What else could she do but trust God? The Bible says in Psalms nine ten, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I like that word never. Let me break it down for you in the original language for all my deep theologians today. That word never means never. No deep meaning other than the fact never. There's nothing more definite than never. How many of you have heard say, never say never? He says he is never forsaking those who seek him. You can take it to the bank. You might not understand it. You might not have asked for it. You might not have even wanted it, but you can trust God will get you through it. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. (coughs) I don't got the vid. Breathe. The vid. I've been. Anybody seen the Kevin Hart special on Netflix yet? He said he calls it the vid. He said it just sounds more vicious. The vid. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's power in trusting God. Now, i got to be honest, it's easy for me to trust God when everything's going my way, when everything's how I want it to be. But it's hard, you're going to find this surprising, I'm a control freak. It's hard for me to trust God when I'm not in control. When I'm not in control of the situation, what I do is I want to do whatever I can to fix the situation instead of just stepping back sometimes and breathing and just trusting God. God says when we don't understand, we got to trust him. We don't know how things are going to turn out, we got to trust him. When we can't see the end, we got to trust him. I texted my um, agent yesterday, my real estate agent yesterday morning. Yesterday was Saturday. No, Friday morning. I said, sorry to bother you. I really wasn't sorry to bother her. She's going to make a lot of money off of me, so I wasn't really sorry. But I want to say I was sorry because she's a friend. And I said, sorry to bother you. Um, Supposedly we'll be moving a week, and I should probably get ready for that are we moving? I did not like her answer. Everything's moving forward. We'll hopefully know by Monday, oh, four days before we move? That's awesome, thanks. I I cussed her out of my head. Even though it's not her fault, I understand that. I had to step back and just trust God. Trust God that if it happens, it happens. Here's the hard part. Ready? It makes me mad to say it. But I got to trust God that if it doesn't happen, it's because he's got a plan, because he knows the outcome, because he's got something not necessarily better. It is better because it's his will. It's hard to trust God, man, but Mary and Joseph, they trusted God. When that pressure comes and we feel anxious, when our life is filled with stress, we begin to look for something to make it go away. When we begin to look for an antiseptic, whatever it is, whether it was eating or spending money or drinking or whatever it is that we can do to numb our mind, we just got to trust God and realize he's in control and he knows what's going on. We try to medicate instead of trust. Did you know that last year alone, and it will go through the roof this year? I'd love to see the comparison of numbers at the end of this year Last year alone, 42 million, 42 million prescriptions were written just to help people sleep. because their stress is so high, they can't relax, they can't unwind if we would just recognize that when we feel that tension, we feel that pressure, we feel that anxiety, rather than going to all these other places, drugs, alcohol, food, whatever, just go to the one and trust him. Our stress would be so much lighter. I got to wrap it up because I'm getting hungry. They did what they could with what they had. This, to me, is where things get real, real practical. Mary and Joseph didn't have control over a lot of things. But what they did have control over, they made work. How many of you ladies, I would ask the men, but we, don't, we didn't eat the apple, so we didn't get cursed with this. How many of you ladies would... I'm just kidding. Do not shoot me. How many of you ladies would say, man, my ideal place to give birth would be a horse stable? Anybody? Any freaks out there? Nope. How many of you say, if I listed 10 places I would have a baby, a stable would be in the top 10? Because I can think a lot of places like... Hospital number one, right? I guess your house, people do that. Like I'd rather have a baby in a grocery store than like a a stable. At least I can grab some little Debbies and eat them while I'm pushing out the baby. Or at least while you're pushing out the babies, I can grab some little debbies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, a car, a plane? A boat? Those all sound more comfortably than a stable. Around horse poop? That sounds horrible. But they did what they could with what they had. Because guess what? They were in a stable. Guess what? Stressing over it wasn't going to change it. Guess what? Pitching a fit wasn't going to change it. Getting angry wasn't going to change it. They were where they were. Look what they did. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths. King James says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I'm not, I don't want to break this down, but the cloth that she wrapped him in was the cloth that women used during that time when once a month things happened in their life. This wasn't the cream of the crop things you wrap your children in. But guess what it was? It's what she had. They did what they could with what they had. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest rooms available for them. I don't think this was the circumstances Mary wanted to give birth in. But it's what they had, and they made it work. Some of you, when the stress of finances are coming along, or the stress of whatever's coming along, you need to learn how to make what you have work. I heard a guy recently preach a series called When Life Gives You Lemons, you can get sour or you can make lemonade. When you learn to make lemonade out of the lemons, the lemons aren't quite so stressful. There's things during the holiday season you can't control. You can't control the craziness of people during this time of year. You can't control the fact that like or not even if you're smart with the finances is going to be a little bit tighter during this thing. You can't help the fact that you got to be around family. My family actually broke the Gary Lamb. I'm the only Lamb in my family. The rest of them are Edwards. So I have my own set of rules. They're called the Lamb rules. My parents actually broke that rule yesterday. They showed up. That rule's not allowed. It wasn't Thanksgiving, it wasn't Christmas. You're not allowed to show up. I had no control over them showing up. My wife knew that they were breaking the rule, so you know when she decided to tell me? After my event started, when she knew there was nothing I could do about it, hey, BTW, your parents are coming. And then she knew it so much that I, I didn't get to text a letter because I was so busy, but she sent me a text and said, Please don't be mean to them. We're walking up on you. <laughs> I'm a horrible child. But guess what? I couldn't control it. I made the best of it. You know what I did? I smiled. Semi-hugged them. Told them it was good to see them. And I did what I could with what I had. Then I said, hey, man, so good to see you guys. I got to get back to work. I left Christine with them. You got to do what you can with what you have. A lot awful quiet in here. I'm going to give you some practical things you can do. I'm not going to preach on these. These are not biblical points. They're practical points that are going to help you deal with stress during the holidays. The first thing you need to do is you need to learn to set boundaries. Set boundaries. It's okay to have boundaries with people. Boundaries are not for those people, they're for you. Learn that some of the... I need to do a whole series on boundaries. I say that every time I use the word. Hey, some of you need to learn to set boundaries with people. The second one, manage your calendar. Guess what? You manage your calendar, not your calendar manages you. You need to make sure, hey, with all the extra holiday events and this and that, make sure you're you're leaving God's space. Make sure you're leaving family space. Make sure you're leaving rest space. Hey, because you know what's amazing about the whole rest thing? Big G God up there, he even rested on the seventh day. So when you say, I don't need any rest, you're saying you're better than God? Uh-uh. You say, well, Gary, when do you rest? I rest all the time. I leave here today, I'll go home and rest. I will go to sleep. My wife doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to talk her into getting pizza for dinner tonight because I want pizza. Then I'm going to go back into the bedroom, and I'm going to watch more TV, and I'm going to rest. I'm going to get up tomorrow when I get up, and then I'll go back to it. I, 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 I Contrary to popular belief, I rest. You don't get this lazy and not rest. Hey, hey, here's a powerful practical tip for some of y'all. It's amazing. Learn to say no. It's okay. Hey, y'all want to get there? Man, I'm sorry. We can't right now. Man, it's nothing personal. We just can't right now. Like, if, if, if any of you were to invite us right now to dinner, hint, 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 I like steak. But I would have to say no through January 1st. So which means is I am taking appointments for dinner in the month of January and February. I don't have a lot of events. Did I mention I like steak? But right now, I'd have to say no. It's not because I don't want to do dinner with you. It's because we can't add one more thing to our plate over the next 30 days. Well, don't you worry that someone will get upset? That's where my boundaries come in. That's their issue, not mine. I don't got to, see, you hear the word, don't think you got to be me. I don't got to be rude to say no. I just got to say no. Let me help you with some of your finances. I'm actually going to talk about finances next week. Hey, decide what you can spend and stick to it. If all you can afford for spending during the holidays is $50, guess what? Spend $50. It's okay. But when you don't decide what you're going to spend, guess what happens? You get stressed. Because you didn't say no to everybody that wanted to go to dinner. And you can't afford to go to dinner. And the stress sets in. And then what do you do when you're stressed? You drink. And you spend more money that you didn't have to begin with. It's this vicious cycle. Because you don't know how to deal with stress. (laughs) Second, fourth of all, fifth of all, whatever it is. Realize you don't have to be at Everything. Someone said it joking. I think they were joking. But most of the time when people joke, it's just really them being an a-hole and trying to cover up their a-holeness with joking. I came down here for Thanksgiving. Again, I'm in the middle of my holiday market's my biggest event of the year, contrary to popular belief. So I'm busy. And we had family in town. We we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. I wanted to come down here, so I came down here for 15 minutes. Nice of you to join us. Let me make this very clear. I didn't have to join you. Janice had it under control. Kathy Knight had it under control. Yvonne had it under control. Faye had it under control. I hate listening to because I forget people and they get their feelings hurt. They all had it under control. You know what's the most awesome thing in the world as a pastor? And literally, I'm the only pastor I know that has this gig. Because most pastors don't have the testicular fortitude to do it. I don't feel obligated to bid everything. You've got it under control. We're the body of Christ, and you handle your part. You know what a huge load that is off, but realize you don't have to bid everything. Thanksgiving, I had a busy day. I went and ate Thanksgiving. I looked at Christine. Everybody was done eating. We're sitting around. She was going to hang out for a while. I said, I need to get back over to the mill. Okay guess what? I didn't feel bad. And guess what? They didn't miss me because I was sleeping on the couch anyway. Realize you don't have to be at everything. And last of all, this was so important. Just focus on Jesus. It's so cliche, but he's the reason for the season. Oh, BTW, he's the reason for all the seasons. He's the reason for January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He's like the Waffle He's responsible for 24-7. Your life might be less stressful if you focused on Him more instead of focusing on everything else. And guess what I'm done. He's God, and you're not. So, quit trying to act like God by fixing everything and adding more stress to your life, by adding more stress to your life, making more piss poor decisions because you added more stress to your life. Just focus on JC, man. He's good. He's got it. Capital J, Jesus. He's the man. It's easy. Spend time with him. If all you're getting to Jesus is on Sunday morning, no wonder you're stressed. How many of you only eat one meal a week? One meal a week. Oh, how many of you think it'd be unhealthy to eat one meal a week? Uh Uh-huh. You're eating the book over here, The Bread of Life, and you're only getting one meal a week. And you're wondering why you're running on empty. You're wondering why you're stressed. Learn to deal with the stress. And I'm not preaching at you because, man, I go through phases where I'm horrible at it. But, man, Mary and Joseph went through it and gave us a beautiful example of how to deal with it. Let's pray.